0: Welcome to our final presentation on mutual funds, will, where we will take a look at fund families, the top 10 largest mutual fund companies, and then focus our attention on a single mutual fund out of over 12,000 as a proxy for mutual funds in general. Even though there are so many different types of mutual funds that it's impossible to sum it all up With even a few, but we have to start somewhere, right? So we'll take a look at one that's been around for a long, long time. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you again, did you study the different fund types, the major fund classifications for stocks, bonds, balance funds, mutual, money market mutual funds? In the second presentation, it's going to be on the exam. But more importantly, you need to understand the different flavors, so to speak, the different uh, categories, and realizing that they're just the tip of the iceberg. There are subcategories and sub sub -sub subcategories and sub 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 -sub 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 subcategories. There's 12,000 of them out there. So let's get started again on slide number 16, fund families. A family of funds exist when one investment company manages a group of mutual funds and this is the norm now it used to be that maybe um, a mutual fund company just had one fund and they put all their attention on that one fund but no longer because of the competition because as as one company added new funds the other company said well i guess we got to do it too right and as we saw it is exploded into many different flavors and categories and subcategories and the like. Funds in the family will vary in in their objectives such that you can start off in your investing career in your younger years, 20s and 30s, with high growth, high risk funds. And then eventually, as you age and your needs become more conservative not political conservative financial conservative and and you now need more bonds you can move down this the the ladder of uh, risk versus return and you can move your money from one fund to another with in a fund family with almost always with no charge they're not going to hit you up again for the um, for the upfront fee the sales charge or the back-end fee but there are some situations where fund families will try to keep people from moving back and forth and back and forth. There's a, there's a long history of why this is not good. I mean, it's not a good idea because mutual funds are long term investments. So they, if you move from one fund to another and then move back within 30 days, they might hit you with a 2% fee to keep you from doing that because it's not in your nor their best interest. However, Whenever you do mon- move money from one fund to another, if it's in a taxable account, the IRS gets involved. You could, and probably will, generate a trans- taxable transaction. So uh, you have to be aware of this. We should not let taxes be the dog that wags the tail. I'm sorry, be the tail that wags the dog. <laughs> I got that backwards. In other words, taxes are important, but more important is it, is it a good investment. If it's in a retirement account or other tax-qualified account, you will not generate a taxable transaction. It's only when you take it out of the account and you know get the money in your hands or in your bank account that, that the IRS wants to know about it. And Forbes said this many years ago, and I've always thought it was a great uh, thing to to think about, and, and, and not necessarily to be so rigid, but it is a, a very good uh, uh, phrase. Choose a fund family. Choose a family not a fund because if you choose a good family with generally very good funds then your needs will be met for dozens of years and you never have to move that doesn't mean you shouldn't reevaluate them of course obviously but when you find a good fun family folks that's been around for decades and done well in good times and bad you have found something very valuable in my humble opinion so slide number Slide number, come on, sweetheart. Sometimes doesn't. There we are. Slide number seventeen. The top ten fund families. Now, depending on who you um, look at, this list may be a little different. Uh, this is from the um, Morningstar Fund Family One Hundred Fifty report. But if you go to other places, you might see different people in there, different, and they might be in different orders. So be careful. But undeniably the leader in the mutual fund industry now is Vanguard they've been very good at making people believe that they're working in their best interests and in some cases they are and in some cases they're very much like other mutual fund companies so but no they do have some very good funds and what Vanguard often does is they subcontract out the work of doing the investment research so they have one company called Primecap which is excellent if you see any Primecap funds inside Vanguard that you can buy through your 401k or whatever they're they're very good and then another company is Wellington Management which has been pretty darn pretty darn good company over the decades and now by the way is run by a woman she she became the CEO just recently so um so there you go women make better investors a newer company that's that is a uh, very sharp. They're actually the world's largest money manager, but not the world's largest mutual fund company. is called BlackRock, and they they're pretty they're pretty good. I don't know how they they, they Mister Larry Fink has done very well for himself and his company. Somehow they got the contract for the TSP, the Thrift Savings Program, um, that is run by the federal government for the benefit of the federal government by BlackRock. And how would you like to have three or four million? customers in one fell swoop not bad <laughs> and then for many decades Fidelity was the largest fund company uh, and they were the go-to place but they're not a, good, they're not a bad company what I've always complained about Fidelity but, Fidelity but it's not the only company that does this is they just have too many darn funds there's just too many to look at if you go when you go on our on our website or on Canvas or the class website and, and f- f- trundle on over to fidelity investments. You'll see that you are you're greeted with over three thousand funds now not all of them are fidelities they fidelity' is a very smart marketing company. They will not only sell you their funds they'll also sell you um, um, other people's funds. And then, if you click on the uh, the the, the uh, unclick uncheck the box that says no fee transactions, you will get almost ten thousand funds. Uh, they're a smart marketing group. In other words, you don't ever have to go anywhere else except for us. The problem is, what do you? Dis- I mean, that's just too many choices. It's insane. And for many decades, American Funds now calling themselves the Capital Group was you know second or third place and now they're fourth place because of BlackRock but uh but they're still they're up very close up with the Fidelity they have been around for decades they have been a very good company um, they're based actually in Los Angeles but they're they're worldwide and they they want to become more worldwide so what they're doing is they're shutting the name American Funds and now calling themselves the Capital Group well the truth is this is how strange the industry is sometimes They've always been the capital group. They've always referred to themselves as capital. But other people started calling them American funds because their funds have names like the Growth Fund of America, the Bond Fund of America, Investment Company of America. So everybody's called them the American funds, and they said, "Oh well, I guess we're the American funds. But now, <laughs> that was a long time ago. But now they're trying to become a global mutual fund company, and with a name like American Funds, they figure, well, maybe we should call ourselves what our real name is in Capital Group, but it just doesn't sound as good, in my humble opinion, does it? Capital Group. Now, a storied company based in Boston that has been around for many years is State Street. Many people know them as State Street Research, but but now they're called State Street State Street Global Advisors, and they were one of the first people get to get involved with uh, the um, The uh, ETFs, so they're very big on exchange traded funds, as we discussed in the previous presentation. Another company which I'm very proud of, uh, folks, I I like them a lot, I'm not making any recommendations for investing, and by the way, I don't actually own anything with them, that doesn't mean I don't admire them, is T. Rowe Price. They, too, have been around for many decades, done well in good and bad, and we're one of the first uh, mutual fund companies to to go outside the United States. Oh, by the way, so was American Funds. Figure that one out. I mean, American Funds. But, uh, yeah. Remember the Morgan Stanley Capital International Index? I don't know if you do, but that's okay if you don't. But that was run by the American Funds for many years. <laughs> and then they thought, well, maybe it's not a good idea for us to create the index for which we are benchmarking ourselves against a little bit of conflict of interest so they sold it to Morgan Stanley but the name is still Morgan Stanley Capital International Invesco is a company that merged recently with a the company called Oppenheimer which again both Invesco and Oppenheimer have some decent funds but they also have some stinkers. so you got to be careful, careful number 8 is Dimensional Fund Advisors another very good company it's not does not have as long a history but they're very popular with financial advisors so dfa sometimes you'll hear people talk to them about pimco is pacific investment company they're based believe it or not in newport beach what a nice place to be based in and they for many years had the world's largest bond fund which at one time was the world's largest mutual fund the um the what is it called the total return bond fund uh, they've hit her on harder times lately they lost their bond guru and then Franklin Templeton poor Franklin Templeton another very good company member Sir John Templeton he sold his funds to Franklin Uh, that has some very good funds that have been around for a long time but but they've uh, had some some bad publicity lately and they also merged with the leg mason company which has had its share of bad publicity so Let's see. We'll hope, let's hope for better times ahead for Franklin Templeton because uh, they have some very good funds. So what do you think, folks? Do any of these companies speak to you, their histories? Well, obviously, you have to do a whole lot more research to determine who you would go with or find a good financial advisor that you um, that you uh, trust and that person might be a Franklin Templeton fan, and they they know Franklin Templeton's very well. They might be a T. Rowe Price fan, or or the uh, they only do Vanguard, whatever. You you'll you'll find them out there. And you find one you trust, get a good referral, and they should do you well. Be prepared to pay for it. And remember, the A shares are cheaper over the long run than the wealth management fee. So let's read here. Because of the mutual fund scandals of 2003, these companies that were, three companies that were in the top 10, no longer were there. Wait a minute, Paiano, did you just say mutual fund scandals? You want me to invest in an industry that is plagued with scandal? Well, as a matter of fact, I do, because it was not really that big a deal. But it still was a black eye on the industry. Since 1940, the mutual fund industry has been regulated and generally escaped any hint of impropriety. You like that word, impropriety? It means hanky-panky. Yeah, trucos, travesuras, the things that they really shouldn't be doing. And in 2003, some practices that were not quite illegal, but obviously unethical, were uncovered. And only a handful of funds and a handful of people were affected. Strong Funds, Janus, Bank of America, Putnam Alliance. You know, poor George Putnam rolling over in his grave thinking, what have you done to my storied Boston? Because a lot of the mutual fund companies were started in Boston. I don't know why, but that's where they were. That's where Fidelity is. Uh, um, What happened? Well, I don't want to go into details, but basically understand that they weren't they weren't doing anything illegal, but they it was obviously unethical what they were doing. All right, I'll explain at least one you. But think about it, folks. Mutual funds by the Investment Company Act of 1940 are required at the end of business day in New York, that means 4 o'clock Eastern time, 1 o'clock our time, are required to stop what they're doing and find out what the prices for all the securities they have in their portfolio are. And that includes international and global funds. So say the market in the United States has, has um, tanked. It's gone down 2 3%, or maybe even more. What you do before 4 o'clock is, right before 4 o'clock, sell your Japanese fund. Why would you sell the Japanese fund? Because in a couple hours, if you New, York, New York is tanked, it's typical, but not always, doesn't always work this way, that Japan and Asia would go down and follow it the, the the markets are getting more and more in tandem so you sell that day your japanese fund in a few hours japan's going to open up and probably fall the next day well it's actually it is next day in japan already and then the next day you buy back your japanese fund you see what you're doing you're 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 taking advantage of a little bit of was often called arbitrage and so, you know, the Japanese fund falls 2-3%, you buy it back, and you've made 2-3% in a day. Now, it, 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 it's, it's just not something you should do. Folks, mutual funds, you're supposed to hold on for, to for years. And some of these people were doing it in funds that didn't have safeguards to stop them. Remember I said if you did that, some of the other mutual fund companies would charge you 2 or 3%? Because you're not supposed to do that, you know, sell something and buy it back within 30 days or 60 days. You see? And some of the companies, like Vanguard, like American, just said, no, you can't do it. We're not going to let you do that. If you sell it, you can't touch it for another 30 days or 60 days. You can't buy it back right away. But companies like Strong, and this guy, the guy who ran the company, he started it from scratch, built it up. He was worth $600 million at this time. And he, he was the head of the company and he was doing it. And he made about $80,000 and just, you know, chump change for somebody who's worth $600 million. To you and me, $80,000 is a lot of money, but not to somebody who's worth $600 million. And when he was caught, he was very, very upset and just contrite. He felt so sorry. He said, look, I started to believe all the things people said about me how great I was brilliant and and phenomenal and and I thought I was above you know a reproach which is not true he was barred from the industry for life and strong funds disappeared actually they were bought by somebody else Alliance I feel so sorry for Alliance because Alliance was a good fund it, it, a good company it still is it's been merged and now it's called Well, first it was called Alliance Bernstein, because they merged with Sanford Bernstein, and then people thought that was a little too long, so now they call themselves A.B., which, yeah, kind of strange. But anyway, there were two people at Alliance doing this. Two people! And the whole company almost disappeared because of it. The vast majority of companies never engaged in any of these shenanigans. So instead of losing $99,999 on a $100,000 account, say your money was in Enron, and they wouldn't let you take it out, (laughs) the poor employees at Enron, investors lost a dollar on a $100,000 account, not even a dollar, pennies, but if you're taking pennies from millions of people, it adds up, right, so this was the black eye of the mutual fund industry, and it has been... Now, now they can't, you can't do that kind of stuff. It just won't be allowed. Most, I know. Every company deals with it differently. As I said, some companies don't let you do it. You take the money out, sorry, you can't put it back for at least 60 days or 30 days. Some companies will charge you. Okay, you took it out, you put it back in, we're going to charge you 2%. And where does that money go? It goes back into the fund to help the people that you basically tried to steal from steal pennies from so go ahead do it all you want you know, you'll, you'll wind up broke very quickly and the other people will take your money and they'll never know but they'll be they'll shake your hands say thank you very much if they did know slide number 19 so okay piano, I'm exhausted how do I pick a mutual fund well this is what we told you way back in chapter 11 Pick a mutual fund that invests in high-quality stocks or bonds. That's very difficult to determine. Quality is one of those those uh, aspects that it's in the eye of the beholder, right? Some people look at a company and think, that's a great company. Other people look at it, you're out of your mind. That's why you need good managers is well diversified across several industries and sectors of the economy. and my opinion, you need to diversify globally because some of the best companies are just not based in the United States. Has a long-term perspective, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and a manager or better yet, a management team with many years of experience. As we said, avoid companies that shuffle their managers like a deck of cards every few years, which used to be, I should change this virtually all of them, it's not all of them anymore. They realize, they've seen how sometimes it works out really, really well. You get somebody, the whiz kid, the the the, the star manager, and sometimes you get Charles Stedman, Right. And you want a company that's been around for decades and performed consistently well in bo- good and bad times. I think I've mentioned that, haven't I? Yes, you want somebody who's done well in, in bad times because that's... They're going to happen. You don't know when, but they're going to happen. So, in the face-to-face class now is when we would pass out some literature and and look up this one company. Um, I have it on the the um, the the, uh, the the in Canvas and on the website. It's called Investment Company of America. It's been around since 1934, and I know that sounds really old, but there are some that are older than that, if you can believe it. And it's remember we said stocks you get eight nine ten percent. Well this guy has done almost twelve like eleven point nine eight or something like that. And you'll see it when you when you look it up. So we can find people who can beat the indices who who can do better than eight nine ten percent. Although if you give me eight nine ten percent I'm a very happy man. I don't need anything more because I have a long-term perspective or I had. Now I'm much older, and I don't have that longer perspective, which is why I've had to move into more balanced funds. And so we, we'll take a look at the different um, scenarios, like short term versus long term. But stocks have been very risky, right? Well, true. In the short term, they are. But if, over the long term, they're not. And there's a um, there's a uh, uh, the the benefit of time. It's called there's a, there's, a, there's a short commentary presentation but you can look at the the graph you don't need to listen to the presentation if you don't want to but it shows what happens if you had a one-year time horizon a three-year time horizon a five-year time horizon and a ten-year time horizon and the one in three the one the one year there's a one in three chance of losing money right we said about every one year for every three years the stock market goes down Plus, you got to pay the, finance, the, the, the fees, right? you got to pay the, the, we use the A shares, you have to pay the upfront fee. But as you go to three years, it goes to one in seven, it's one in eight. You go to five years, it goes to one in 14 or something like that. And if you go 10 years, you've never lost any money. That's not a guarantee of the future, but it's a pretty good track record. And then there's another one called uh, Worst Day, Best Day. Now is not a good time to invest. Well, folks, what if you invested on the worst day of the year for the past 20 years? How did you do? Well, it turns out actually pretty good. (laughs) Because time is important, not timing. And remember, we're going to dollar cost average, so sometimes we're going to pick good times to invest when the market's low. Sometimes we're going to pick bad times to invest when the market's high. And most of the time, we're just going to be putting our money away and what about market downturns well we show you that there will be there in the 86 year history and even in the 30 and 40 year histories of this and other mutual funds you see that there are times when the market goes down keep a long-term perspective don't panic and dollar cost average so whether you wait until after this presentation or right now go there and check them out it's up to you but make sure you do, because they really will show you in graphic detail <laughs> how much you can win and how much you can lose over time. But the losses have always come back. So far, you know, there's no guarantee for the future. Plus, it will, I think, cement the idea of what it's like, of what the uh, the old, when we went right back in Chapter 1, we talked about the, um, the opportunity cost so yeah you you want to put your money in the bank yeah sure it's gonna be safe but you're not gonna make very much money in fact you're gonna basically hardly make anything put all your money in bonds when you're young sure you'll do okay but really not that great but having stocks for the long term has been very rewarding but also pretty scary at times yes but that's why we dollar cost average, slide 21. Remember this slide from chapter 11? It makes investing boring, but it works. And it's a system of buying an investment at regular intervals with a fixed dollar amount, and I hate the term, not because it's not a good term. It just doesn't say what it really means. There's another term that's becoming popular now called systematic investment plan. I don't know if that's any better. But the cool thing about dollar cost averaging is there's always good news. No matter what you do when you wake up. The market's up. Good news. Yippee! Your $100 is now worth $100.20. <laughs> the market's down. Good news. Why, Huh? What do you? What? Yeah. Next month, you now will get more shares at a lower price when the 50 or $100 comes out of your paycheck or checking account. Look, it, it's not a silver bullet. If you invested in a very bad mutual fund and it keeps going down, 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 and down. Oh boy, I got more shares. I got more shares at a lower price. Right. It's not a guarantee. Have you noticed there are no guarantees? Unless you put your money in the bank, in which case there's no reward. (laughs) So remember that term, dollar cost averaging, or remember systematic investment plan, because remember you are the investment guru for your friends and family. Yes, it's a very weighty and important uh, uh, responsibility, dear students, so take it uh, very seriously and study, study, study. Bring honor and glory to Southwestern College. Slide 22. As we've seen um, in Chapter 11, then Chapter 12, and now Chapter 13, that most mutual fund companies have a system for running hypotheticals uh illustrations, hypothetical illustrations, they are examples of returns of investments for both a lump sum or a stream of investments, dollar cost averaging, systematic investment plan, whatever you want to call it, or a combination. And they must be approved by the Securities Exchange Commission and the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, SEC and FINRA. And just contain disclaimers about past versus future performance. Be afraid. Be very afraid. We've seen these in Chapter Eleven, Chapter Twelve, and we have them for Chapter Thirteen, with a balanced fund, because we showed you how you know how bonds eh, did better than the life insurance company, but not that great. Whereas stocks did great, but oh my goodness, the volatility, the roller coaster that we have to put up with. But if we are still not convinced and many people aren't, think about a balance fund. Think about stocks and bonds, because it won't, it shouldn't. We don't know. That's the future. It probably won't do as well as the um, the, uh, the, the stock fund, pure stocks, but it should do better than the bond fund. But again, there are no guarantees. So we ran some hypotheticals, and if you have a certain, uh, certain type of hypothetical you want, you want to do 50 bucks a month or $200 a month, for a different number of years just contact me i'm happy to do them as i've told you i can talk about investments far longer than most any reasonable person would ever want to listen slide number 23 and we showed you the growth fund of america which has done really really well and the investment company america which has done almost 12% here it is actually here is it this is as of December uh, they they did 12.01 as of December 31st 2019 they did 11.98 as of September 30th 2020 but there's the investment company America 12% but look that's not the only one that's been around for more than 50 years look at all the fidelity funds hmm fidelity has some, some great funds folks they also have some stinkers. And remember, I th- this is from Chapter 1, you remember? I told you about the Magellan Fund. I don't, you know, I feel kind of bad putting that in because people go, ooh, 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 Fidelity Magellan, that's what I want. Remember, that was because of P- Peter Lynch. <laughs> that was a long time ago. He ran up 29% for 12 years in a row. Uh, well, overall, 29% over 12 years. That's, pff, I don't think anybody's going to do that. And, uh, and they shouldn't. They, they, this guy was just, he just happened to be very blessed. And that's what's that's what's cool. You know, we don't we don't know who the next Peter Lynch is out there. Hopefully, it's in this class, and you'll go into the industry and, and make us make us famous. There's the T Rowe Price. We talked about T Rowe Price, and there's an American Fund. There's an American Fund. There's a Dodge, Dodge and Cox. Great company, but very strange. These people, I love them. I go to their website often. I check out their their videos and their and their little blurbs about things, but they. Are strange and now you say why Payano? why are they strange they're based in San Francisco what's so strange about that you watch them on the video and they look like they're Kansas they're not that I'm trying to not trying to, dis, to discourage or I'm sorry disparage people from Kansas but they have a much more down home sort of you know they don't, they don't look like they live in a major metropolitan city but they're pretty darn good. Their van funds have done pretty darn well. Look, from 19, what, the first Dodge & Cox stock fund, the balance fund. They had a balance fund for many years before they had anything else. 1931, right? 1965. They they And they only have five or six funds, which is strange because most other companies have at least a couple dozen. There's the Dreyfus fund, which is now owned by uh, Mellon, Bank of New York. There's another Franklin fund. There's a couple of Franklin funds. MFS is actually the world's oldest mutual fund company, not this one, but they have another one that was I think it was started in 1926 or something like that. Yeah. So uh, there's another there's a, there's the one Vanguard fund that, that that makes the list. All of these companies are more than 50 years old and have done better than 10%. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and buy these mutual funds. All right, I'm just trying to show you that that investment company of America that we concentrated on was not an aberration. They are out there. And then there are funds that are newer that I'd be more likely to recommend to you if you came to me why? Not because none of these are good funds. I own some of them. No, the problem is most all of them are domestic. Which is not a problem. The United States is a very innovative and and dynamic economy and a very innovative ta- workforce and you know we're awesome. But The world is global now it's just not the case that the best companies are based in the united states some are some aren't and uh, some of the best investments are outside the united states so what i recommend to most people now when they're just starting out is a global fund specifically a global stock growth and income fund that invests in large companies that have their roots deep in the economy Sure, they're not going to do as well over the long term, probably all things being considered, and all things being equal, and they never are. Then the high growth, aggressive growth type funds, but they also aren't going to fall into a pool of tears like some some of those aggressive growth funds do. Cool? So you might want to check out some of these funds and then look at the family that they're they're a part of. Are they part of the Fidelity family, the Franklin, the T. Rowe Price, the American Funds, the Dodge and Cox family, the Vanguard family? Hmm? Check it out. And there's dozens more, folks. Don't limit yourself to the ones that are... I think we put six. We put six. I know we did. We put six links out there. Don't limit yourself to those. Okay? So the news is good. The news is good. And the future? Well, <laughs> you know... The whole thing could fall apart, folks. The whole kit and caboodle, the whole technologically based civilization. And uh, there's no food at the Vons, there's no gas at the Chevron Station, no clothes at the Gap, the cell phones aren't working, the trash isn't being picked up, the sewer system's broken, there's no clean water, Uh, the hospitals, the banks, the fire departments, the police departments are all shuttered. Yeah, your mutual funds going to be the last thing you're going to worry about failure is not an option and you are going to get out there put your pants on every day deliver the groceries and make the uh, the uh, the concoctions that are used in some other uh, chemical process you're going to give the injections you're going to be part of our society and how do you separate the individual from society the, the truth is you can't way back in chapter one we said Can you separate the drop of water from the flood? No. (laughs) And so I'm very optimistic. I know we have tremendous problems, tremendous challenges ahead, but I'm very optimistic. Why? Because I see the young folks, and oh my goodness, they're powerful. And I see (laughs) and I think. Wow, and they got they have tools that we you know we used to think were science fiction and, and it's just getting started folks it's just getting started. Oh boy, where do you see what the biotechnology world does? Slide twenty-four bottom line on mutual funds. Choose a fun family, stick with them. There's a saying in the industry that has been proven empirically, which means it's been Done, they've done statistical analyses, and it shows that it's true. Most mutual fund investors do worse than the mutual funds they invest in. Wait a minute. How can that be truthful? Well, it's it's actually truthful. Why? Because what do mu- most mutual fund not most, but many, what do people do? Ooh, 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 is it too late to get in? Yep, but that's when they put their money in, and then, ooh, is it too late to get out? Yeah, but that's when they take their money out. And they wait for it to come back 50%, and they go, okay, it's a good time to get in. Wrong! (laughs) Wrong! But hey, I've talked with people, some of them who have PhD, and other types of uh, letters behind their name. Not sure exactly what it means. But uh, they've done that. You know, this doesn't mean just because you got a PhD next to your name doesn't mean you're going to make a bad financial decision based on emotions. It might mean you're more wary, you're more, uh, no, it might mean you're more um, tempted because you think you know what things are going on. re you know, one of my best clients, folks, is an artist. <laughs> you know, an artist! And and, and and that person, I won't say he or she, I'll just say that person has made very, very good decisions over the decades and has done very well. Make changes judiciously and sparingly. You like that term, judiciously? I love that. Reevaluate them per- periodically, but don't make changes willy-nilly, maybe every couple of years or so. You gotta give a mutual fund time. As you approach retirement, migrate from stock funds to bond funds, but don't give up on stocks entirely. Remember the illustration use dollar cost averaging 50 bucks a month 100 a month maybe next year 110 dollars a month whatever you can afford but for the most part forget about them i once you've made your decision that's the tough part i know i know it makes investing boring but it works but as i said there's just no camera i told you that already didn't i thank you dear students and we are finished with our financial investments bonds bonds, stocks, mutual funds. We are now going to uh, insert a chapter that was taken out of our book a long time ago and it's a lecture only presentation on real estate and other investment alternatives that I hope you will enjoy. So we'll see you in our next presentation on real estate and other investment alternatives. Thank you, thank you, as always, so much for being in our class. All of us at Southwestern are deeply proud and grateful that you are with us.